Dumps it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around the front. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain, T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartzell. Right up front, Yager fed inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Monday. T.C. Martin and Marco D'Angelo with you. Yes, recapping a very, very busy weekend. We'll get into the Kentucky Derby this hour. The Vegas Golden Knights. What happened to them? And what happened to the Golden State Warriors? Well, we just got done talking to Jim Barnett, the longtime Warriors player and television and radio analyst. We're getting ready for game number four tonight between the Lakers and the Warriors. And we get ready for game number three tonight. The Vegas Golden Knights on their way. Well, actually, they're there in Edmonton. <laughs> 5.30, face-off tonight, and uh, we'll get into that this hour as well, too. All right? Also, we've got tickets to give away. All right? Being very, very generous today. Uh, B-52s. All right? Their farewell tour. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers in Las Vegas at the Venetian Theater. We've got tickets for Wednesday night. Real simple. I'm not going to have to stump you with trivia or anything. You want to go, you just call. You call in. And Numchuck will hook you up with tickets. Are you Rock Lobster fans? You love Shackers? I'm looking at Marco. Marco's always talking about his love shack over there. Is Lori listening today? Oh, I don't. If she's in the car, maybe. She's running there. All right, Lori. Your love shack is here. We've got tickets. B52, 702. 221 7283. It's that simple. You call in, you win. I got tickets. I got plenty of tickets. 702 221 7283. We'll take care of you. You can go see the B52s Wednesday night, 8 30. All right. So you can still watch those early games. Wait a minute. You're talking about Golden Knights or, or Wednesday, right? Well, the game will be over. You can still go. Games at seven on Wednesday. Seven. Yeah. Why are they doing that in Edmonton? I can see that. All right. They're the only game tonight. That's why it's earlier. You a B52s fan, uh, Numchuck? Not. I mean, yeah. yeah. You, you like them? Yeah. All right. <laughs> you like the chick. Everything's dude. They're hilarious to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I love Fred. It's the greatest voice in the world. But it's not right said Fred though, right? No, it's not. Yes. Don't be confused. Remember right said Fred? Yeah. One hit wonder. Pretty much, yeah. Too sexy for the shirt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to go to the B-52, 702-221-7283. We'll put you in the Venetian Theater, a great place to see a concert, too, at the Venetian. One of my favorites. All right, Marco, the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Uh, we spent a, a good portion of the show with uh, yourself, Double B, our handicapper gurus, our horse gurus and horse owners. Um, wow. Always love the Derby. Again, it really kind of gets the horse season, you know, off on the right foot. Weather was good. Uh, the anticipation was there. Um, Forte was the, the favorite and scratched. What was the reasoning behind Forte scratching? He had a bruised foot and it was actually a scratch that came from the state vet, not, yeah. not the uh, connections. They, the state vet looked at the horse in the morning and he told them that the, they had to scratch the horse. So, uh, it's done on, you know, you're erring on the side of caution and especially this week with, um, they had some uh, tragedy there at Churchill Downs with some horses uh, having to be put down. So they were erring on the side of caution. Okay. All right. Uh, great race. Stretch run. Here they come. And what's Marco D'Angelo doing? He's rooting for Angel of Empire. As they come to the top of the stretch, and they're into the stretch, and two fills has turned for home on top. Kings Barnes. Here's Mage coming struggling down the outside. Angel of Empire is putting in his run, and there's one for long to run. Two fills on the inside, trying to hold up Mage. Mage is taking the lead here as they come into the final 16th, and it is going to 
be made to win the Kentucky Derby. And then it was two fills, each of the Empire, and a photo disarm was fourth. Mage has done it in 201.57 seconds under Javier Castellano. And Mage cashes the ticket at 15 to 1. Javier Castellano on him. What a great ride there. Marco, this was a horse, and we talked about on Friday, that never ran outside of the state of Florida. But he did finish second to Forte. Strong horse, 15 to 1. He gets the money. He's your Kentucky Derby winner. He is. And if you remember on Saturday, in every single show I did this week, I was talking this horse up. And I said, if you like Forte, you got, and I'm a handicapper. A lot of people read the racing form. I'm a visual handicapper. I go back and watch all of the replays. And this was the most impressive horse from the replay of the Florida Derby with Forte, where he did everything but win. He got caught in the, the last stride. Forte got up and got the win. And I said, Forte's going to be three to one or less in the Derby favorite. This horse is going to be double digits. A head separated them. If you like Forte, you have to like Mage. And uh, I had him all over my tickets. Unfortunately, I didn't have two fills second, only on one ticket. If Angel of Empire hit, gets second, we hit all of our exactas, all of our try bets, and we make a major score. But, you know, it, we were right there in Angel of Empire. The, he only needed another hundred yards in, and, and he goes, he goes by. Yeah. Maybe less know, than that. Maybe you know, even. And yeah. the difference yeah. for that, if you go back and watch the Derby and it's the difference in the winning move between Mage and Angel of Empire, they both made, they were sitting last and next to last. Mage got a clean shot when he made his move to get through. Angel of Empire had to check for one second, which took a little bit of momentum. He had to wait for the, the hole to open, and then he commenced his run. So Mage had the jump on him, but both horses raced well. It's going to be interesting to see now. We'll find out in the next couple of days how all the horses come out of the race, who's going to go on to the Preakness, and who will skip the Preakness and try to you know point to the Belmont in case we have a, you know the possibility of a triple crown. That's why the Preakness always has a lot of juice, because – the Triple Crown's still in play. If a different horse wins the Preakness than the Derby, then the Belmont becomes a forgotten More race. times than not, you know, the winner of the Derby does you know, go to the Preakness, but there have been those instances where it does not. Yeah. Okay? And we saw that last year with Rich Strike, right? Yeah. I mean, 8-1 to one is like, okay, we had his party. We don't know how he's mm-hmm. going to, uh, you know, come back, you know, you know, for that, uh, you know, you know, two weeks later. So... What's your gut feeling? Mage in the Preakness? I think they're going to give the horse a shot. He is a closer, and that was the big reason why Rich Strike bypassed it last year because he is a what we call a stone-cold deep closer, makes that late run. The Preakness is the shortest of the three races, and it is a speed-favoring track, so it, it makes it tough to overcome that. The interesting part to the Preakness is going to be if Forte... The, the bruised foot heals quickly enough that they can race him. Two fills, 12 to one, one on the synthetic service, uh, you know, prior to this. I think, mean, I don't know if that kept you off of him, but for me, I didn't want any part of him because I don't like horses that are coming off the synthetic, especially these young horses, you know, like this. I want a, you know, I don't want a turf horse. I want a dirt horse. Uh, but two fills ran a great race, led most of the way. He was involved in, you know, right off the, the fractions early. And I, one of my concerns, and especially with all of the scratches that we had leading up, because don't forget, it wasn't just Forte on Saturday morning that scratched. We had those other scratches during, you know, on Thursday yeah. and Friday that got all of the also eligibles in. Yeah. We went from, there were 23 horses trying to get into the Derby. Only 20 can get in that when they finally got to the gate, there was only 18 horses right. in there. Okay. So that's how many horses that we lost there. I thought it would change the pace, especially after last year. Remember they went suicide fractions last year. They weren't suicide fractions this year, but they were way faster than anybody expected. When they put up the half at 45 in a piece, I said, Oh boy, this is going to set up for the closers. Angel of Empire. I know you liked him. Um, Double, Double B liked him. Our, our boy Mattress Mac, he <laughs> went to the window and he, that was his favorite. And he, he, he bet uh, the $2 million on him. 
And what's not to like about Angel of Empire? And he did go off the favorite. He won twice at a mile and a quarter. He did finish a uh, strong in in third, like you said. Uh, race a little bit longer. He probably it definitely you know gets up for second. What happens with Angel of Empire looking forward? Uh, this is going to be interesting. Which route they decide to go? If it was me, I think I would skip the Preakness with Angel of Empire and go to the Belmont. Mm-hmm. That would be. You know, I, my trainer would have the final decision, but in, my trainer always does talk you know, to me. I would say let's skip and go to the to the Belmont. In the mile and a half at the Belmont probably suits him well. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. yeah. The uh, price for Mage thirty two forty two. When did we start getting into the pennies? You know, it used to be like just thirty two for thirty two forty two. Mage pays to win fourteen fifty eight to place and nine. 08 to show two fills 1044 uh to place and uh 662 to show and then angel umpire finishes third 470 uh to show there the exacta 330 dollars and 44 cents under two dollar exacta the the 50 cent try paid 491 dollars the superfecta Fifteen thousand six hundred and forty three dollars and 65 cents for a one dollar superfecta ticket yeah, that exacta was was very nice. We did hit the exacta, and it's like it's frustrating. So close, but yet so far. You you didn't want to be around me right at the end of the race last uh, on Saturday. Uh, it just uh, it could have what it could have been, and that's two years in a row. If you remember last year, we had Epicenter uh, on that big futures ticket in the exacta cold before. Rich strike come flying from nowhere, but that's horse racing. And that's why it's the, you know, the greatest uh, two minutes in sports. And, uh, you know, I get revved up for the Saturday and I got to be honest, uh, you know, our buddy mattress Mac, and I was texting with you because he was going to bet the favorite. And I kept giving you updates. Uh, you were, I was out and about out out and about on Saturday. And I said, Mac's going to have to make a decision and it's going to be a coin flip because the two horses we're talking about millions of dollars being bet there, you know, and we were talking at this point, there was like 4 million, uh, on the one horse and 4 million on the other. There was only like less than a hundred thousand dollars separating who was going to be the favorite in mattress. Mac was going to put his money on the favorite. Well, whoever mattress Mac was going to bet was going to be the post time favorite. And I was hoping he went the other way and put the money on tap at trice, which would have gave me better odds on, Angel of Empire. Speaking of uh, Tapa Trice, uh, what happened to him? Because, you know, he was the second favorite going into the race with Forte and then ended up still being the second favorite, right? Yeah. He's a horse that, again, we talked about it um, on Friday. He takes a while to get into gear because he, he's a big colt. Um, he's, you know, you hear this, you know, big and lanky. Uh, it takes him, he doesn't have that push button gears like a lot of horses do. And we talked about he doesn't like being inside horses. And that was a big concern with post five in a, what was going to be a 20 horse field and ended up 18 horse field. There's still a lot of traffic. And I just don't think that was in his comfort zone, uh, to race. I think that he would be better off off that's one that i would send to the preakness because he is uh, that'll be the smallest that'll be a smaller field into preakness all right uh you know tap trice had won four out of five coming in one three in a row sayas and uh but yeah did did not really show up two fills should definitely go to the preakness with the shorter distance because that horse you have to i have to give him all the credit in the world i didn't like two fills as much as uh uh, a guy that I do another show with, he was high on two fills. He raced sensational. He I mean, did, he, he did all ra- the heavy, he did the heavy lifting yeah, in the race. That's why I'm thinking that he may lay off the Preakness because it seems like that race may have it, t- taken a lot out of it. It's good. That's going to be a, a decision by yeah. the trainer, how he responds the next couple of days coming out of it. But he's the best horse suited for the distance. So my man, Mattress Mac on the show on Friday. Uh, he said he was going to be at Churchill Downs. He flew in, got there about noon, wearing this uh, beautiful uh, red jacket. Even got a haircut before he went down there, wearing his black cowboy hat. Uh, Mattress Mac did have uh, the two million dollars on Angel of Empire, basically to op- offset, uh, you know, his promotion to Gallery Furniture there in Houston. Because if uh, the favorite wins, then everyone who bought at least three thousand dollars worth of uh, furniture leading up to uh, the Derby would get it for free. So he edged off. 
But uh, so no free furniture for the customers. And uh, Mattress Mac lost uh, $2 million. But, of course, my man Mattress Mac always in good spirits afterwards. Mac, give us a recap of your 2023 Kentucky Derby. Greg, we had a great time. We went to the fabulous Kentucky Derby. We had great seats. We had some great bets. And everything went well to the finish line. We finished third. Should have finished first. But you know what? Life teaches you when they knock you down, you get up, you dust your big boy, big girl breaks it off, and you get back in the fight. So we're ready to go again. And now it's my favorite time of the year. You know yes. what time it is? Baseball. Time for the Houston Astros. <laughs> I'm going. Kentucky Derby's over. We're looking forward to promoting those world champion Houston Astros. They're playing Seattle tonight, and uh, we took a whipping out in Louis, out here in Louisville. But we took the whipping, and we'll keep on taking. So, Mac, we want to know what's next. Are you are you thinking about NBA or now? Nah, we just focusing on the Astros. I'm talking about the Houston Astros, the most popular sports team in the history of Houston. I was a big part of the Rockets '94-'95 World Championship reign, and I got to tell you, the Astros are the hottest thing going. So I can't wait to see. Go Strohs! Yes, there it is. Go Strohs, Mac. There it is. Yeah. Do you see how that game ended for the Astros on Saturday night? Yeah. It ended with a 3-0 three, three lead and I'll give up seven runs. So Mac wasn't happy about that either. So anyway, but the Astros, they got a lot of pitchers down right now. All right. So uh, there it is. Yeah, Mac uh, ripped up, uh, I think, technically $1.2 million of uh, Angel of Empire tickets. <laughs> that was it. Not... Not not a pretty sight, Mark. I, I, talk about you know not wanting to be around you after a race. You know how about you if you had one point two million? Okay, but the, see the difference. You got to put it in perspective. Okay, one point two million to me. Oh, we're talking a whole different you know thing. One point two million to Mac is walking around money. Okay, I mean, like, cashed different. in seventy five mil on yeah. the World Series last year. Yeah, right? okay, so, it's a little difference in bankrolls. Uh, Just to, slight, slight, slight. You know. One of the stories, too, that uh, was kind of hovering over this in a cloud at Churchill down of the horses that have died that, uh, you know, leading up to this race. We had seven horses that died over the last week. Talk a little bit about that. And a lot of people may not be too familiar with this, but this has been a pandemic, really, of sorts around Churchill. If you go back the last five years... 133 horses that uh, either raced there or, you know, stalled there, right? Um, but talk about that aspect and why are we seeing so many deaths at Churchill Downs, especially the seven last week? There's no easy answer for it, TC. And part of it is the black cloud of racing. And that's why Churchill Downs came in swiftly and scratched all of Safi Joseph's horses for the remainder of the uh, Churchill Downs cards. They sent him packing. He basically, they don't have anything on him yet, okay? It's not like they found something, but because two of his horses unexpectedly died, um, they had to do this. And the thing about it, and I don't want to make accusations against Safi Joseph, but I'm going to say this. He owns Gulfstream. Okay, when he races in Florida, he's the Bob Baffert of Gulfstream. Bob Baffert at Santa Anita and Del Mar, you know, was the king. And a lot of people would suggest that maybe things got looked past if they're using any performance enhancing drugs. And that's the concern here. And what the problem is most uh, performance enhancing drugs one of the main things that they do is they also mask pain. And that's where the problem comes. If a horse, a horse knows when he's hurting. Okay. And he's going to protect himself and, you know, and show you that. But if you give the horse something that's going to mask the pain, then that's where you're getting them being pushed to the limit. And they take that one bad step and the horse breaks a bone and it's a, a you know, it's a horrible break and the horse goes down and what's going to end up happening. Fortunately for us, we haven't had that. We've had the horses die. We're going to lose a jockey when a horse goes down and gets trampled. It's going to happen. And then it's really going to, you know, it's going to be a whole nother. It's bad now, but it's going to be worse. So they're cracking down and forget being proven, you know, innocent until proven guilty. They came in and said, pack your bags and go. Yeah. 
And this isn't just about, you know, one trainer here. I mean, again, there, there are numerous trainers that have had horses die at Churchill. Is it something regarding the surface, the, the stalls, something else that's going on? There was, if you remember a few years ago at Del Mar, the turf races, mm-hmm. there was a problem where they canceled all the... Well, the Santa tur- Anita too, just yeah. last year, right? Right. They can't, for they had a period where Del Mar canceled all turf races mm-hmm. And they, you know, resaw it and everything. And, you know, that's always a problem. You know, you step in a hole, you know, that, that can, can happen. These things can happen, but it's, it's the ugly side of, of racing. But let's be honest in every sport, somebody, you know, talk about, you know, football, you can, you, we've seen hits mm-hmm. go back to Joe Theismann, you know, you know, they don't, you know, not, you don't lose your life, but I mean, they're bad injuries. We've seen bad accidents in car racing. It, it's part of the game. It's not anything you want to see. And, you know, it, and I've had it. Uh, TC, I've had a horse go down in a race that we, you know, that was, it's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It happens. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, we, the Derby is uh, behind us now. We look to, forward to the Preakness, uh, two weeks at Pimlico. Coming up uh, in Baltimore, um, and if uh, right now again you got you got to wait for these horses to see how they come out. We'll know in the next you know couple days regarding this, but uh, just kind of give me a quick look ahead of what you're expecting uh, for the Preakness, and what would be the headline heading into the Preakness? Well, the big headline obviously would be if Forte makes makes his appearance if he's able to go there because that's a race that you know would be vindication for him because he didn't get to race in the Derby. There's another horse, I think he's called Blazing Sevens. Uh, it's something with Sevens. I, I might be wrong on that, but he skipped the Derby, pointing to the Preakness. That's always you know when right. you you see a big name trainer make a decision like that, um, you know. They're doing what's best for the, you know, the horse. And you always see, they always call it the new shooter. Somebody right. shows up that didn't race in yep. the Derby and upsets the apple cart. But the history of the Preakness, generally speaking, is the horses that were in the Derby and did well and run back in the Preakness come right back and do well again. Even though it's people say, Oh, it's two weeks. They yep. don't run for whatever reason, form kind of holds up in the Preakness from the Derby. And that's also because we get smaller fields. There's a lot of 20 horses go in the Derby and the ones that were nowhere to be found, they're not going to take a shot in the Preakness. They're going to skip the Preakness. So the field shrinks dramatically. And if it was a dominating performance in the Preakness, a lot of horses that might've had a good shot will bypass and try to wait for the, for the Belmont. Is Mage a triple crown candidate? I would vote on no if you ask me to bet the yes no right now prop, but I can tell you, and this is one of the things I mentioned about him on Saturday. He only has three lifetime starts now. Four horses at this age, there's nowhere near the ceiling yet. They can make those big leaps and bounds, and this is a horse that is going to get better and better. But I don't think he's that dominating horse just yet. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting. Makes it fun. And again, that's why you, with the Preakness, there always is that intrigue, especially when the Derby winner does come back yeah. to, um, to run in that second leg of horse racing's, uh, triple crown. And it would be nice if, uh, he did, you know, win the first two jewels. And then now you got the Belmont. He got something special there. That, but mean, there's a lot of intriguing stories. There are several intriguing stories. Like you said, you know, um, you know, especially with Forte. The new shooter coming in, like you said, uh, will there, you know, will, will the winner of the Derby win, uh, the Preakness? And then, you know, again, Angel of Empire and two fills. I mean, very impressive, uh, in the routes that they took as well, too. And I think that, you know, uh, fans would like to see both those horses get right back in it. Angel of Empire, you know, I, I can't fault anything he did. You know, it just, like I said, if you go back and watch that replay and see that one when he, you know, was starting his move, there was a horse he had to wait just till he get enough clearance and then he got out. But to me, um, I, I came away from the race more impressed with two fills than I did going in. That's the horse to me that really, he raced his guts out. Uh, you know, he was right there with the early pace setters and he battled Mage all the way down the stretch and just gave it up and give him credit. He held on for second. A lot of horses that race like him, you know, once that other horse got the head in front of him would kind of give it up and he didn't. And, um, he earned a lot of respect from me. Hmm. 
What was uh, on your derby plate? Uh, you know what? I, I ended up picking up a you know another radio show late, and I ended up I was going out for the derby, and I ended up just staying home and you know the normal home snacks, you know, no, nachos, no, no, no grill, no barbecue. I mean, I'm betting you're, you're race, a beast. You're a beast in the in the kitchen. That's a work day. I'm <laughs> betting every race, dude. Okay. <laughs> You you haven't seen me around back back in the the old yeah. days. I when would go to you know would go to South Point a lot, and they would have their mm-hmm. their derby party and that they would hand out free drink tickets yeah. whenever you bet. Well, I always bet so much that there was a mound of free drink tickets, and I'm like you, I'm not a big drinker, yeah. so I was very popular with all the people sitting around. Sure, me. okay, dishing them out, yeah. And so you know, but I I that was I was home for Saturday and. Just do it. And that's the beauty now, too, because everybody's got apps. Yes, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there. You know, I got the iPad up, yep. got the TV on, you know, got, you know, I got 65 inch right in front of me. I don't have to, you know, I got my own sports book. Yeah. We're doing it. That's it. That's it. Don't need to, to deal with all the hassles and everything. Oh, hey, bet uh, where you watch, you know, wager where you watch the games. Yeah. You know, that's it. All right. We come back. We start diving into tonight's huge game on the ice in Edmonton, the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers. We'll talk about that, these other NHL series as well, and also another look at the NBA tonight. Hey, everyone, this is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. on the ice tonight in Edmonton. And that place is going to be hopping tonight as the Oilers take care of business over the Golden Knights in game number two at T-Mobile Arena on Saturday afternoon. No contest in that game. The Oilers score early and often. And you go to the website and check out our recap on that at tcmartinshow.com been a pretty good series and we expected high octane game one was all knights game two all oilers tonight game three and they'll face it off a little bit after 5 30 p.m in edmonton tc martin marco d'angelo going to talk about the nhl the stanley cup playoffs game three tonight this series tied at one game apiece my friend a uh, tale of two different games. 5-1, Edmonton rolls over the Golden Knights. Four goals for Edmonton in the first period. And the Golden Knights had a total of four shots the entire period. The Edmonton Oilers scored their fourth goal before the Knights got off their fourth shot. I mean, it was a blitz. We figured that the Oilers were going to come out on fire. Not only did they come out on fire, Marco, but they came out with intensity galore. Intensity that just not with their speed, their skating, their precision, and just peppering Broussois. But they were physical, too. And they were ready to fight. And they did. I mean, this was a hockey beatdown, uh, what we saw in game number two after the Knights won game one, six to four. Uh, in a game that they you know jumped out to a lead, and even though Drysaddle scored four goals in a losing effort, it was Drysaddle again. He got two of those uh, first four goals, and uh, Edmonton uh, rolled five-one on Saturday. It was nice for me because that was an easy win. I was on Edmonton, and we talked about it on Friday. I think the fact that they changed the game to Saturday. Remember that game was originally scheduled for Friday. Doing the, the every other day like the NHL does through the playoffs, but they were the only game on Saturday and they wanted to have a primetime game. So they switched the game to Saturday, switched it to an afternoon. And I said, that's two strikes against the Knights. One, the extra day benefited Edmonton because we talked about it. Edmonton's top line is the best in hockey, but they're not deep. And they're forced to play their key line more minutes than most teams would because they don't have the depth that the Knights have. And that's the edge the Knights have. Um, and why they're the stats on the series so far, five on five, the Knights are winning. But when you look at the power play for uh, Edmonton, it's the best in hockey. They have now, uh, power play 
after the first two games, they've had nine power play attempts. They're five of nine, TC. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're over 50% on the power play. They were 56% in the first series against the LA Kings. Um, Vegas on the other side, same old story, only two of seven on the power play. Um, and Broussois, he was remarkable during the regular season. He had a 92% safe percentage. Playoffs, he's down to 89 and a half. And this is why, you know, and more of it's been because of the, the power play for sure. But this is going to be a high scoring series tonight. I like the over in the game. They didn't get the over on Saturday, okay? And you say, oh, my God, how did they not get the over on Saturday? Well, the reason is because Edmonton scored so fast and scored all the goals, the game was over. And Edmonton played the rest of the game from the second half of the second period to the end of the game. The game plan for Edmonton, dump the puck. Just dump the puck in the other end. They weren't trying to score and in the fourth in the third period they only had four shots on goal so they didn't get to the six and a half that the total was on saturday um i think they get to it today and that six and a half has gone to seven in a lot of the books and i still think they get the over there Golden Knights, game number three tonight. They've been war warriors, road warriors all season long, the best in the NHL, and they're going to have to uh, show that uh, tonight because we know Edmonton, they have a great home home ice advantage, and especially coming off that 5-1 to one victory. Uh, again, not only, like I said, were they skating well, but the precision, but they were physical. I mean, and a quick turnaround too, a very quick turnaround for the Golden Knights. What do you expect to see from the Knights tonight, and what kind of start are they going to get off to? Well, you're going to see a big effort out of the gate because anytime you get embarrassed the way you did, and, I mean, it wasn't even a game. Like you said, the final score of 5-1, if Edmonton would have kept their foot on the gas, they could have scored seven or eight goals on Saturday, in my opinion. The big thing for the Knights is they got to be physical. they got to play their game. I don't want to get into a wide open shootout with them because, uh, that's not the style that we played all year. Uh, we played, you know, protect the net, get your defensemen in front. That's why the goalies did as well as they did. You know, and we talked about it numerous times. We've had five different goalies and they were all successful. They need to stay away from dumb penalties. They've had too many penalties in this one. And I get it that it happens, but. Edmonton is provoking them into some of the penalties, you know, where they'll get, you know, they'll come up behind Stone and, you know, give him a a, a shot after the whistle in the back. And then he turns around and slashes a guy. You got to keep your cool. You cannot give them a power play opportunity because it's almost like giving them a goal. If they're, they're scoring on half, over half of their power plays, TC, it's, it's like talking in basketball. Mm -hmm. You can't give somebody 20 extra free throws attempts. You're not going to win. If you give them six, you know, opportunities on a power play, they're going to score two Mm -hmm. or three goals. Power play, just phenomenal on Saturday's game two, where Edmonton was three of six, Golden Knights 0 of three. And like you said, then you go back to game one, where Edmonton was two of three, uh, Golden Knights were two of four in game number one, but they are just cashing in uh, at a high rate. And really, this should not be much of a surprise to anyone, because... Who is the number one power play team in all of hockey all season long? It has been the Edmonton Oilers. Right. And And they get it done. It goes back to that first line, TC. (laughs) You've got the best player in hockey, and he's not the one scoring the goals. Right. Okay? It's because everybody's so concerned on him. He is such a good passer Mm -hmm. with the puck. And and they're setting him up. You know, nothing against Brissois, but in some of those, he didn't have a chance. There was no way he was going to make the stop. And a couple of them, did you see the window that they they put the goal, you know, that they were able to get the shot through? I mean, it's just that first line is absolutely scary. And I I don't know what you can do to slow them down. You just cannot give them the advantage of of a power play with it. Anytime you get a beat down like that, and again, we saw in game one against Winnipeg, even though the Knights were able to bounce back, the goalie will get brought up. Okay. Well, should you keep Brossois in there? Uh, what have you seen for him, you know, thus far 
in this series through the first two games. I know he got he got drilled. I mean, there's no question. Uh, I don't know how many of those goals he had a legit shot of stopping. But anytime you know you give up five in a short amount of time like that, uh, the goalie's going to be under scrutiny. Oh, there's no question about it. But let's go back to two of the goals stick out to me mm-hmm. that there's absolutely nothing he could do. The first game, do you remember the one off his back? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. You can't. No, yeah. There's yeah. nothing you can do with that right. one. And then the one on Saturday that I'm talking about, where, and I forget who shot it, but it was the one on the side of the net. There literally was about this much you know, of a room that he got it through. I don't know how he possibly got that that puck through that little tiny opening, but that's not on. Brassois was in the position. Now, there were a couple of them that. You know, he was out of position, but that's what happens when you have a breakaway. The goal that happened on the shorthanded goal that Edmonton got. Yeah. Okay. That's not on him. That's on your, your players turn, making a turnover right. to let them Correct. have a breakaway there. Right. So three of the goals I give him a pass on, but you know, Everybody's going to talk about. It. It's like uh, everybody likes the backup quarterback. Okay, when the, when a starter's struggling, everybody wants the backup. They did the right thing. I actually, in a, when I'm watching the game on Saturday, when it was four nothing, I said I would not be surprised if they come out second period with Aiden Hill just just to change things up. They did do it in the third period, which you know the game's over. Get Broussois out of there. Whether you're doing it to try to reset. His mind, watch the game from the sideline for a period, or you're doing it to get Aiden Hill some work. Because remember, Aiden Hill had, when was the last game that Aiden Hill played? You know, he was hurt down the stretch because they were in the dogfight with uh, Edmonton to get the number one seed. They weren't going to take a chance and switch from Broussois because he was playing lights out. So Aiden Hill hasn't gotten any game action. It was good to get him in there. He only faced four shots though. But that was the right move just to get him some work no matter what you're going to do with the goalies. You talk about Connor McDavid on the power play. And, you know, we were talking about him last week. I was like, well, okay, it's all about dry sidle. Hey, maybe, uh, you know, in these playoffs, you know, m- maybe he isn't physical enough. Are we going to see Connor McDavid light the lamp, uh, you know, repeatedly? Well, he got two goals in that game on, on Saturday. Uh, he got goal number three and then goal number five and a couple spectacular, uh, goals. Um, and, um, like you said, one was shorthanded and one was on the power play. But, uh, talk a little bit about McDavid, especially going back home now. Oh, there's no question about it. And that place is going to be, you know, absolutely crazy. And before Saturday's game, he was the facilitator. He's the one that set up the, a lot of those goals that they did have in the first game with Dreisaitl. Um, those two guys, I mean, you talk about having two players like that. And, you know, when you're coming down on a breakaway, you know, if you're lo- even coming three on three, you know, they're coming right at you. The way they move the puck, it's scary. And if you, the natural tendency is to shade yourself towards uh, McDavid. The way he can pass the puck with precision, um, that's what makes him so much dangerous. In the first, you know, game and a half, he was playing, you know, not selfish hockey. He was giving up the puck, and it set up those easy scores. Leon Drysaddle, two more goals in game number two, four in game one, yeah. six goals in two in games. two games. <laughs> I can't remember the last time or if I've ever seen that or heard of that. What about you? No. And to give you the, you know, again, another analysis to football, this is the number two wide receiver. How many times the guy that get the number one gets double teamed. It's the number two that gets all the big plays because he's in single coverage. And, you know, they, you know, they're concerned about McDavid and you have to be because the season numbers. But when you got a number two guy as potent as Edmonton has, uh, it's tough. And that sets up a lot of problems for the Golden Knights on defense. And if one guy makes just a, a a slight mistake and get and turns a puck over you know you're you're backpedaling quick and those guys can skate and would you say like the first year when we came in everybody's trying to find that rivalry and it became the San Jose Sharks with the Knights because they met in the playoffs a couple of years in a row given the last 
six weeks of this regular season when those two teams were going back and forth, back and forth for num- who was going to be the number one seed. And now what we've seen in the first two games of this series, if this series goes six or mo- six or seven games, this is your new rival for the Golden Knights without question. You know, and we thought that a couple years ago, uh, especially the way Edmonton fans travel, but the, the Oilers really weren't very good, even though you had McDavid, but now you've had the development and they added some key pieces, you know, to their team now. Uh, so it just in adding the guy like Evander Kane, that'll spice up, uh, spruce up a rivalry, you know, <laughs> as well, too. Yeah. You get some fights, you start oh, beating up on a guy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. I and mean, him and Carrie going at it, uh, you know, in, in game that, two. Wow. And that was the other thing about how well they travel. Yeah. Moving this game to Saturday enabled more people mm-hmm. last minute to come on the weekend than they would have been able to come on a Friday game. And I also said, you know, Vegas, okay. The fortress is always loud, but a Saturday afternoon game in Vegas just doesn't have the same exactly ju- the right. same juice as a night game, right? Okay, you know, people in I mean, people laugh when you're going out to the clubs. You don't go out to the clubs till 10 p.m. That's when you're starting, right? Okay, this this is that that's, kind of that's, time. That's early for a club too. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> you know, in an afternoon game, yeah. I'm with you. Okay. That was a, that, that wasn't good. And that, and I actually put that in my analysis on the game. It was another factor for me that it, you're not going to have as a big of that, hay, that home ice, uh, you know, juice with the crowd. Right. It's true. All right. To game number three tonight, Edmonton, a dollar 85 favorite. We saw this thing already, uh, go up from 175 to 180 now up to 185. Thoughts on the betting aspect of this game and uh, the total two? What, what is it, six? It's six and a half. How are you, playing? How are you I, playing the game? I'm on the over. I, I think you're going to see a high-scoring game. Um, like I said, we saw what you saw in game one. Game two would have been the same way if the Knights would have just answered one or two goals. Yeah. The fact that it was a 4 nothing game, then it was 5 nothing. They're shut, they're in shutdown mode. Okay. You just want to get to the next game. You don't want to give up goals. You're just dropping it in the other end. And don't forget, you know, if it's a game that's within two goals, you're pulling the goalie. When you're down four goals, five goals, you're not pulling the goalie. So you don't have that opportunity for that, that late goal, the cheap one. You know, that's a race too. So. Uh, I'm looking at it. It opened at six and a half. It got hammered right away. It would, they kept moving the juice. They moved the juice on six and a half all the way to minus 140. They still couldn't stop the over money. They moved it to seven and now you're at seven. You can get it at even money. There were even some plus one tens out there on seven. And on a show I did earlier today, they asked me, which would you rather do? Would you rather have one? over 60, six and a half at minus 135 or minus 140, or would you rather have seven at plus money? And I said, I'd rather have seven at plus money. I can't lose the bet. Right. Okay. If it lands seven, I would have won the other bet, mm-hmm. but I did not lose the bet. I'm gaining 50 cents for, you know, that, ha- that half. I would take the over seven plus money. You know, as good as the Golden Knights have been during the regular season on the road, uh, they won. You know, two games in Winnipeg, but those were dogfights. Yeah. Th- those were tough games. And now, you know, you're going up against a much better team in the Oilers on their home ice and especially coming off, you know, what we saw in game number two. I, I could, I could see where people would not have a problem laying the money with Edmonton tonight. Because it's at home, but I know 185 is pretty steep. But you know how people are. Last thing they saw, like, oh my goodness, they they just shredded Bersois and they just shredded the Golden Knights. Well, again, that was a great bounce back situation. How much value, if there is, on the Knights tonight getting this money with the zigzag, the bounce back, and knowing that they have performed well on the road? There's no way I lay the price with Edmonton tonight. I'm still scared of uh <laughs> the knights you know in this spot this spot um i would say you know in a lot because of the that, goal the goalie does not scare you for edmonton skinner doesn't scare you no not at all you know? he in 
you know, I talked about Roussois' save percentage dropping down. Um, Skinner was 91% during the regular season. He's 89.5 in the, uh, the playoffs. And that's opposite of what it generally is. You generally have lower scoring games in the playoffs, but we haven't seen that in the, in this particular series because these two teams are playing wide open. And again, the penalties dictated. If you keep giving up penalties and you give up a goal, now you got to force the issue to come back and get that goal. And, you know, that's what the Knights got got to control here. There are I do know some guys that like when you've got an inflated line like this on the home team Edmonton. They shouldn't be this high and it's an overreaction from Saturday. Some guys will go the other way and not take the money line TC, mm-hmm. but because the price is so high on Edmonton, you can actually get the Knights at plus one and a half goals mm-hmm. at, at a reasonable price. My problem with that is that, you know, you always hate that you're, you're only losing by one and you, you got that plus one and a half in your pocket and then you give up that empty net. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than watching that puck go half the ice. Slowly, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're to game and it's oh, like, yeah. you know, it's like the halftime or in, intermission ones where they have the right. shoot the, the right. shoot, you know, you have a contestant. Right. You know, and you're just watching it slowly. Is uh, it going to make it? Yes. Uh, there went that ticket. The heartbreaker. Yeah. You and Mattress Mac. (laughs) (laughs) Golden Knights in Edmonton tonight, 5.30 series tied at one. Looking forward to that uh, tonight. All right, uh, the breaking news that uh, just came down, that uh, we do have a fine for uh, Nicole Jokic. He has been fined $25,000 for making improper contact with a spectator, the spectator being the Phoenix Suns uh, owner, Matt Ishbia, it, uh, who came into possession of the game ball and Jokic went into the stands to try to grab it from him. So nothing to Ishbia, but no game suspension, no game suspension for Jokic, just a $25,000 fine. I think everyone should be happy with that. Uh, again, if you're going to go by letter of the law, he probably should have been suspended. I don't think anybody wanted to see that. And look at Joe Dumars. Uh, Joe Dumars, who is, you know, the vice president of uh, basketball operations for the NBA, he's come down hard. You know, he came down hard on J- Draymond Green in that, you know, Sacramento series, right? S- suspended him for a game, but he opted not for a suspension for Jokic in this one, just to find. So, um, Nuggets will be at full strength for game number five uh, coming up uh, tomorrow night. It's the right move, TC. Yeah. There's, there's no question about it. You don't want this series decided by that. And, I think they had their out because it was the owner of the Suns. If it would have been just a normal fan, I don't think they, they would have had any any choice but mm. to suspend them. All right, let's go to uh, tonight's game. Uh, Warriors, Lakers, Lakers favored by three. We really broke that down a lot, talked about the problems with the Warriors. Uh, we know how the Warriors are in bounce-back situations. What are you thinking about tonight? I like the Warriors. I personally did not fire on them. I, I did give an opinion on the Warriors plus the points. We have seen the zigzag in this mm-hmm. series work through game two and three. My problem is I just, if Golden State cannot slow down Anthony Davis, they're in trouble. If they send the Lakers to the line as much as they have done in the first two games and not get to the line, I don't know that they can overcome that. But I also know that if they hit their threes and they live and die by the threes, if they can connect on 36, 37 percent of their threes, they can win this game. They can't do it 28, 29 percent. It's coming down to the taking care of the basketball and the Warriors usually do not. They they don't give you bad performances back to back. And we saw it in Sacramento in game five. On the road, Sutton Sacramento in game seven, two vitally important games for them tonight. They're going to view it as the exact same thing. So again, I put more of the blame on the Warriors for losing that game than credit to the Lakers in game number three. Expect the Warriors to bounce back and, uh, you know, you know where I'm at on this game, Marco. I'm, I know you are. And when we got I'm getting the- plus nine, brother. I'm getting plus nine. Yeah, the, the old teaser fleas. Right? I got plus nine right now. I'm sitting, I'm sitting fine. Plus nine with the Nuggets yesterday at plus eight and a half. Yeah. You know? And then the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, plus nine yesterday. You could have joined me at plus money, Marco. Plus money. Manipulate the line six points per game. 
You could be joining me. Be happy. I had Philadelphia we'll and I was happy. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, you had to sweat a little bit more yeah. than I did. Are you are you concerned at all though? We still have that elephant of the road record for the Warriors. No, 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 no. Like I said, I like I said Friday. Forget that. That's regular season. When they threw that out the window, what they did in Sacramento. Winning games in five against Sacramento. No. They're they're fine on the road. They got the experience. Real quick, Knicks in heat tonight. Heat favored by four and a half. This has been another zigzag uh mm-hmm. Buffet. Yep. I'm, I'm heading there with the Knicks tonight. Okay. Marco's taking the Knicks, even though I think the Miami Heat are, are going to win this series. Uh, they got Jimmy Butler. And like I said, every team needs two scores. They need two superstars. Well, the Heat's got one in Jimmy Butler. <laughs> the Knicks don't have any. If, yeah. if Julius Randle is not a superstar. Okay. RJ Barrett is not a superstar. I think we'll see what happens tonight. Could they cover four and a half? I'm rooting for you, my friend. But I think the Heat are the better team. They win the series. All right. I want to end on a sad note uh, over the weekend. Uh, specifically yesterday, we got the news that Vita Blue passed away. Uh, being a Northern California guy, I got a chance to see a lot of Vita Blue up close and personal. Uh, very sad and got the news yesterday. Vita Blue, um, passing away at the age of 73. 18 seasons in Major League Baseball, played with the A's, played with the Giants, got a chance to, you know, play with those two Bay Area teams, also played with the Kansas City Royals for a season, six-time All-Star, three-time World Series champ, AL MVP, American League ERA leader, and two no-hitters for Vida Blue. Uh, one was a solo, one was combined. He was one of the best. He was one of the most fearful pitchers coming off the left side of the mound, fireballer, and just not only a great baseball player, but just a great human being and a great guy, always willing to give back to his community. Uh, very sad news that Vita Blue passed away. Yeah, I mm. remember Vita Blue uh, watching him all those years. Uh, Love the big lefty. You got it. May he rest in peace. All right, we'll send you out with a tune that was made for Vita Blue. Albert Jones did this back in the 70s. And uh, is Vita Blue song. So we'll send out with that. I want to thank Marco for being here. Thank you, brother. We look forward to seeing you on Friday. Always, TC. And looking forward to the food. Coming very, very shortly, courtesy of Marco D'Angelo. We'll have a food review for you tomorrow. I want to thank Jim Barnett for joining us as well, too. Another Bay Area legend, Jim Barnett, longtime warrior, and does, has done a fantastic job on the broadcasting side for the Warriors for 30-plus years. And we'll uh, tomorrow we'll recap Warriors-Lakers. We'll recap Golden Knights-Edmonton Oilers. That coming your way at 5.30 tonight. Looking forward to all of that and a whole lot more. And we've got plenty of terrible Tuesday takes coming your way tomorrow. For Chuck TC saying so long, go to the website, check everything out up there at tcmartinshow.com. Look forward to the games tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2. I'm rooting hard for Vida Blue. They had a fella and Kovac and all the rest. But this kid from Oakland could be the best. That's Vida Blue. Vida who? Vida Blue. That's who? Pop!